Hello, welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week, as the Bundesliga season draws ever nearer, we will be taking a look at the potential fortunes of the clubs in Germany's top flight. With me this week is one of my favorite guests, Goal.com Bundesliga writer and Twitter gadfly. Ronan Murphy, it's great to have you back. It's great to be back, and a nice flattery there. I'm sure you, you you say that to all your guests. No, no, I you know I I kind of have them take turns on on getting that moniker, but I I mean it every time, and and, and I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're my you're my favorite talking football host. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'm going to take that. I'm going to put that in my pocket and just it's going to be a, a warming sort of a thing as, uh, as 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 the winter sets in here in, in Wisconsin. I'll, I'll have it in my pocket ready for, uh, you know, late October. This week, we'll be getting down to the nitty gritty. We're going to find out, uh, in our minds anyway, who's set to win the league, which mighty club might be set for a great fall, you know, which club, if it were a horse, would be a dark one, uh, which of this year's bumper crop of new coaches will quickly earn the league's respect, and which one might be more of a hazy memory come, come uh, you know, April or so. Also, which team might be the year's awkward basement dweller, the one who everybody ignores after a few months and can't wait to send down to the sub-basement known as the Zweite Bundesliga. Woo! Okay, that's, that, that's actually quite a lot to cover. We probably should get on with it. We'll be back after a quick break with Rona Murphy. All right, we're going to start talking foosball now, and I think that there's really no point in beating around the bush, Ronan. The elephant in the Bundesliga's room, it's the league title. Specifically the fact that FC Bayern München have won it the last seven years in a row. Pretty demoralizing, really. It was really a close-run thing last year. Borussia Dortmund's summer signings have a lot of people thinking that maybe this is the year that Lucien Favre and co. might be ready to go the full Monty, as it were. In my chat with Terry DeFellon last week, I let slip that I think Bayfow Bay are the favorites for the title. James and Flo on TF Fantasy seem to agree uh, on their show, which came out earlier this week. Are you going to join the chorus of, of Bayfow Bay yay-sayers, or are you going to be a, a contrarian and, and, and say something else? Well, as you know from my my incessant tweeting, I am a contrarian. I'm I'm known as being a contrarian, so I will be I will take the the, the contrary opinion on this occasion and most occasions. Nice. And I will say that Bayern Munich are going to win for an eight year in a row, because sure, why not? It's uh, it, it's the thing that Bayern do every season, and they'll probably do it again this season because I think maybe Niko Kovac will have a better control of the dressing room. The players will probably respect him more. He'll have a better handle on things himself. And the appointment of Hansi Flick as his assistant should make a huge difference to the way that Bayern set up against every team. And maybe we won't see these kind of nervy wins and these these stupid draws that they had last season. And they'll ease to the title once more, as we are well used to at this age. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you have a lot of faith in Hansi Flick. Not that I don't, but he is a guy who has spent a lot of time around the fringes of things, especially with the German national team, where he sort of became a familiar face under Joachim Löw. You know, now he's back in club football with Bayern. Do you really just rate him that highly as a uh, either a man manager or a tactician or someone to be close to the team while the, the the sort of head guy is a bit more distant, or is it more just the fact that so many Bayern players have played for Germany and know this guy and like him that they're just going to like having him around? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it, it is sort of a lot, a mix of everything, but a lot of the fact that they are familiar and they respect there, and we won't have maybe. You remember last year, James Rodriguez saying that this isn't Eintracht to to Kovac in the dressing room, and that that emerged. I don't, I don't think that sort of thing will happen this season. Maybe because Flick is there, and he'd be probably the buffer between Kovac and the players. And he, if anything does crop up like that, at least he can step in and be a common influence on the players and pull them together and get them all working on the same page. So I, I think he will be a huge addition. And uh, I said in a in the tweet. Where Bundesliga account was asking for your predictions of the season, I said he'd be deciding of the season, not a, a specific player. Interesting. Yeah. Not only are you contrarian in your general outlook, but you're just looking for ways to subvert the concept of of the questions that you're asked. I, I'm I'm awaiting the time in in the course of this podcast that you're going to you know you're going to zag when I expect you to zig. Yeah, I like to hear people under under toes. It's, it makes things exciting. I suppose it makes things exciting in a league where the same team wins every year. Indeed, indeed. Uh, that, that's that's probably the, the consolation prize we will be gripping for at come the end of the season, considering how much time all of us, uh, I don't know if you did, but uh, it's, I did, uh, convincing myself that BFAB was going to do it last year, uh, and they did not. I guess the one thing that comes to mind is that Bayern have done a lot more of uh, sort of shedding big names than bringing big names in. I mean, you can certainly make the argument, and a, probably a pretty good argument, that a lot of the older players who left or, or players who are not always 100% regulars in the team, it's, it's a good thing to to see the back of them and to, to have you know a more sort of settled squad. But there is definitely a notion coming from both, you know, the, the Bayern higher-ups and sort of, you know, German football punditry, as well as you know, some Bayern players, including Lewandowski, as we mentioned last week, who really want to see additions to this Bayern squad. Leroy Sané, of course, the guy who they spent all summer pursuing, flirting with, trying to convince to come to Bayern, is not going to happen. He's got a partial ACL tear that's going to keep him from any move for the time being. But you know, when you're Bayern and you exist on a completely different financial plane from the rest of the Bundesliga. Don't you want to just Bigfoot a little bit and, and, and go in for one of these giant names that, that they've been linked to in, in recent months? You would think so. You you would think that the, the, the muscle they have, they w- would want to make a big signing. And I, it's, I suppose it's turned out embarrassing for them again after January and they were looking at Hudson Adai and he didn't get hit the move and then he got injured. And then Sané, they looked at him all summer and he didn't get the move and he got injured. So... Uh, I suppose if you are a big player now at this stage, you don't want to be linked with Bayern because that's the rest of your season gone. Indeed, indeed. So you think, you know, Coutinho or uh, Gareth Bale or even, you know, going back a few months, Dybala, any of these guys, are they going to pick up a, a major season-ending injury having been, been linked with Bayern at least uh, somewhat credibly? Well, Gareth Bale is the, the one to pick up an injury if anybody is going to, to, go to pick up an injury. But I, if I was them, I wouldn't go for Bale. But Coutinho could be in it. An option, I suppose. He's a, he's a different sort of a player than the wing players he was. They were looking at, but he's the big. He's a, a big enough name. He's an attacking player. He's a huge talent. Play through the middle. He can support Lewandowski. He could provide assists and goals, and maybe he'll be a bit cheaper than he was than when Barcelona signed him and were expecting everything from a bit like maybe Osman Dembele if he was to return to the Bundesliga. But we'll wait and see what happens at Neymar before anyone maybe leaves Barcelona. I know he's turning into, you know, the big domino that's holding up 
transfers all over Europe waiting for this, uh, you know, 200 million euro man to uh, make a decision about where he wants to play, you know, for the time being. You know, you mentioned a moment ago your thought that maybe Niko Kovac, who spent a lot of last season sort of under a a cloud he couldn't quite seem to shake about, you know, how long is he going to be around? How is he getting on with the big names in the squad? And your thought was that he's likely to have things a little easier this season. But, you know, looking on the other side of things, and this is kind of something I was thinking about earlier, despite the fact that he got off to a pretty slow start, and let's remember Bayern were, what, nine points back of of Dortmund around match day 13 or something like that, the Bayern board stuck by him, and they sort of thought to themselves it would be more problematic, more embarrassing. They would put themselves into more of a pickle replacing him than, than not. I mean, what if Bayern get off to another slow start? Does Kovac still get the same patience? I wouldn't say so. I think he had that one season maybe to prove himself, and he just barely proved himself. But he did when t- the times got really tough on him. That's when maybe he shone through as a head coach and Bayern got him the results that eventually propelled him to the title. So he is an informed manager at the, at the moment. I, I know the Super Cup was a, was a big set at back, but that's a glorified friendly, essentially. So he, I, I don't see them having a bad start again this season. I, I think maybe he has a plan B in his pocket, which maybe he didn't last year. And that was the, the downfall in the Champions League against, against Liverpool. And he, now he has... He can go a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, maybe even like Liverpool play, and he has these varied approaches, and he can approach games differently, and that maybe is going to be the difference. And with Flick in his back pocket, that'll really help. Yep, yep. Hansi Flick, little Hansi Flick, fits in Kovac's back pocket. Okay, looking at things on the other side of this equation, I mean, you just said that you believe that uh, Bayern have a better chance of winning the title and will win the title over Dortmund. What is it about Dortmund's either either personnel or coach that you see as just not quite measuring up to Bayern? Because they have made a lot of nice signings. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think they, they have a good coach and they have signed extremely well. They've signed much better than Bayern. I think just maybe the first team of Bayern is stronger at the moment. Injuries obviously could change things because Dortmund have a much deeper team, but there's still three weeks left in the, in the transfer window and Perisic is coming in for Bayern and they, they'll probably get a new defensive midfielder and perhaps another winger by the time the window closes. So I, I think the, the Bayern first team is, is good enough to beat anybody and th- that's probably the difference at the moment rather than specific coaches or s- specific signings to just have a stronger, a stronger team. So it's just that simple. You think that, uh, you know, even Dortmund's sort of having two or three good players at most positions around the pitch, just the, the, the tip of that best level is not quite as high as, as the, the, the heights to which Bayern's first team rises. Okay. Interestingly, not only did, uh, you know, James Thurgood and uh, Flo Reinecke both express a thought that they didn't think Bayern were going to win the league. At least one of them said that they thought Bayern might even finish third in the league. Certainly, this is not something that uh, you're really considering. But um, if if you don't think that Bayern are going to finish third, who is going to finish third? 
it's a Leipzig. I, I'd imagine that's what that's what James and Flo their their prediction is is probably Leipzig. I reckon so too. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're the only team really that have the financial clout to compete, and will have the financial clout to compete in the long term with Bayern. Because obviously the the uh, the energy drink company that that's associated with them can can contravene the the rules that every other team has to go with, and they have probably the best coach in the league as well, and they've, they've kept the majority of their team together, and they've, they've seemed to sign well. So I think they'll do much better this season, and they might even compete for the top and maybe with a few weeks to go, they'll still be in contention in the title race. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that they could actually, at least for, for, for a certain portion of the season, get off to a very good start and push those two big clubs uh, a little bit. I'm not sure that the sort of, you know, going back to the question of depth versus, you know, pure quality in the first team, you know, I do see them as, as a deeper team than I do as a team that has A++ starters at every level, but they are an extremely deep team. So I think that if either of those two big clubs have any injury problems and, and, and Leipzig don't, that could really play to their advantage. Let's talk a little bit about Leipzig since we, we sort of got onto them and talk about uh, the fact that they have a new coach, Julian Nagelsmann, who you described as perhaps the best coach in the league. He is walking into a really, really good situation in terms of a squad that is really good. And, you know, they've bought a lot of good young players. They have extremely good facilities. They have a lot of money. There are not so many guys in the league who have things that easy. There's a lot of new coaches in this league who, you know, are not walking into very easy situations. They uh, either have a club which is coming off a very bad year, or they have uh, a club which just doesn't have a lot of money, or a club that has zero Bundesliga experience. Let's, let's sort of run through some of these new coaches and talk about the situations there. And I'll, I'll just quickly run them off. Uh, new to the league, anyway, uh, we have Marco Rosa at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Oliver Glasner at Wolfsburg, Alfred Schroeder at TSG Hoffenheim. Ante Tsovic at uh, Hertha BSC, David Wagner of uh, Schalke 04, and Achim Bayerlorza at Cologne. Also two guys who are not new at their new club, uh, but they are new to the league. They've never you know, coached at the Bundesliga level before. That is uh, Stefan Baumgart at Paderborn and Urs Fischer at Union Berlin. Just thinking about all those guys, and that's a lot of them. I mean, I, I named a good, uh, what, eight coaches there, including Nagelsmann, who I think is, you know, in a bit of a different situation, but he is new where he is. Who do you think is inheriting the toughest situation uh, among all those coaches? It's probably uh, Nagelsmann's replacement at Hoffenheim. It's probably Alfred Schreider, I'd yeah. say. That is a, <laughs> he's lost the core of his midfield and after years of overperforming under Nagelsmann, I think maybe the, the board and perhaps the fans might expect too much from him. So I'd say it's a, it's a poison chalice that he's after taking on, really. Yeah, I, I feel like that's turned into like this, uh, you know, the Andre Kramerich show when really he, for a long time, has been just one among many leading lights in, in that really, really attacking side under Julian Nagelsmann. They scored so many goals, and it was so fun to watch. I mean, you would be tempted as a coach to take over at a club like that to not make too many changes and, and just sort of, you know, hope for improvement out of your existing players. But even that is not available to him, considering all the players they sold with Amiri and uh, Damir Bai and Schultz and Joel Linton. It's just... 
I'm really worried about that team, actually. Yeah, you could, if results go poorly to begin the season, you could see them maybe dragged into a relegation battle. But I suppose the only real positive is that they've signed Robert Skov, the, the Danish Superliga record goal scorer. And I know he's unproven and at this sort of level of football, but looking at how many goals he scored last season, he, he definitely could take the Bundesliga by storm and perhaps he could be the man to to turn things around for Hoffenheim or, or keep them battling it, at least in the top half of the table. Yeah, I mean, could you make an argument that, you know, the, the toughest situation that someone is walking into could be David Wagner at Schalke? I mean, in that that is really probably the third biggest job in the Bundesliga, in that, you know, the, the, the sort of level of fan interest and media interest in that club is so high. Plus, you have the factor of, you know, the, the, the club's chairman sticking his foot in his mouth in an extremely ugly way and having the, the, the club react to it in a very high-handed and, and <laughs> unproductive way. I mean, David Wagner is not taking over a team that was any good at all last season, and his back is really against the wall from day one. Yeah, exactly. I think on the pitch, they were terrible last season. Off the pitch, they've long had problems and it seemed to kind of reach its high point this this summer. And I can't really can't believe the decisions they've made not to, to sack Clemens Tonys. I, I, I just, I just, it's, it's mind boggling that they, that he's just been suspended for three months or, or he stepped down for three months and then you just walk back in like nothing happened. Like, I'm not a huge racist at the end of the day. It's, it's just bizarre and it just kind of overshadows any any kind of new new buzz that might have been around the team when when David Wagner took over for, for his first game this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to me that he was as hot a property as as he was on the market, considering he did something pretty amazing with Huddersfield, but in terms of style of play that we got to see from him as a professional coach, I mean, yeah, he, he was as as a Beifau Bay Zwei, as a you know a Dortmund, you know reserves coach, trying to play in a in a positive way, in a way that sort of mirrored the style of, you know, Jurgen Klopp, who was then the the senior coach. But in his experience at Huddersfield, he really didn't manage to put on much of a show at all. I mean, he he won a lot of games or en- enough games to get promoted and enough games to stay up one year. But a clean slate for Schalke after a season where they really looked bad, not only in, in losing games, but playing in an extremely unattractive way. I feel like this could be a, a really a big test for him because he needs to put on a bit of a show. Yeah, I, I think he does. There's so much pressure taken over a team like Schalke. And after they've maybe brought in a, a few players in, in the transfer window, they uh, it, it's it's a lot of pressure for them to kind of hit the ground running and maybe play more attractive football than perhaps we've seen in the, in last season anyway than, than the kind of disappointing results that they had week in week out and he he really will have to turn things around quickly there. All right, which of these coaches do you I mean maybe see as as having a, a lot of pressure? Not so much because they're taking over a shambles and are expecting to do more with it, but you know guys who are walking into pretty good situations, you know, teams who who are in Europe this season, teams that sort of have managed to keep most of their best players. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, 
team like Gladbach, who, who lost Torgan Azar, but not too much else that I think weakens them. And you can say the same for Wolfsburg. I mean, Marco Rosa and Oliver Glasner, I think that they are under pressure, but not because people are, are, are you know, expecting them to turn things around, but they are expected to sort of keep things ticking over, which can also be very hard. Yeah, I, I think both of them are expected maybe to, to reach Europe this season, and it, it's a big ask for a team like a team like Wolfsburg, who are kind of a bit yo-yo. They could be in a relegation battle one year, and they could be on the tip of the Europa League the, the next season, and maybe it's a bigger challenge for Glasner, because I think maybe Gladbach have a good squad, and like you said, they've only really lost Hazard, and uh, I think Rosa is coming with a, a huge pedigree and people are expecting a lot from him and be interesting to see how he does adapt to the Bundesliga at, at Gladbach after the, the success he's had in, in Austria over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the only thing that sort of leads me to believe that in some ways life could be easier for Glasner is is just from the sort of profile of the club perspective. I mean, Borussia Mönchengladbach are you know, a, a pretty big club in terms of, of national profile and certainly in within their region, which is not, of course, the biggest, most populous region in Germany, but in the, the, the sort of far western reaches of Germany, they are by far the most popular club. And they do have fans in, in Belgium, in Luxembourg, you know, who travel to their games. It's a, it's a pretty big club. Whereas Wolfsburg, I mean, absolutely nobody cares about Wolfsburg, aside from people in Wolfsburg who really care about Wolfsburg. So at least Glasner, I feel like, could work in peace a little bit, whereas, uh, you know, Rosa's situation is a little bit less simple than that. Yeah, that's a, I, I suppose that's probably true. But the only thing is we've seen so many managers come and go in Wolfsburg over the last few years that nobody really has a long leash there. So it, a lot of pressure is on them from the outset, perhaps, because it's a revolving door of managers. So they, they mightn't be as willing to give anybody any time, even even if he he does kind of a half-decent job there. For sure, for sure. Looking at some of these new guys, is there one that you think is likely to get off to a good start? Or, or maybe even if he doesn't get off to a good start, do you think is going to prove himself to have been a very smart hire and, and perhaps become a, you know, a Bundesliga regular coach in the coming years? I think the uh, Croatian manager who has taken over at Hertha that, that you were uh, pronounced so well at the start of this segment I, I won't a- attempt it because I, I might upset some pronunciation fans but I, I think he's inherited a, a nice team they've made very good signings they new owner they've financial backing I think Horta will definitely be a, a force to be reckoned with this season and as a result I, I think their, their new head coach will, will get a lot of the credit for that yeah, yeah. I, I'm once again just just as Terry did for me last week. Uh, you have done for me this week. You were able to bring up Hertha and and their potential good fortunes before I got a chance to do so. So I, I don't seem like uh, you know uh, I'm, I'm playing favorites, although they are my favorite. And Antetovic, I have a lot of high hopes for because I feel like. This is a team that people have been talking about as a team of the future, quote-unquote, for, I don't know, two or three years now. And at some point, when you realize that the future isn't arriving, you have to make a change. And I obviously have never gotten a chance to see a lot of, uh, you know, hair-to-youth matches in my time. I've, I've either been 
going recreationally or professionally to top flight games and and don't really know what to expect out of uh, Tovich's team. But he talks a good game and he seems to have a very tight grip on this team so far. And they, you know, had a good preseason. So I I have really high hopes. I feel like maybe that was the change that was needed. Yeah, I think appointing someone internally is a, a good idea and someone with you coaching experience and that knows the, the club, that knows the club so well and has that kind of insight and can maybe bring on some of the, the, the younger players into the first team as well as the the financial back end they now have, I think that mix could be good for them in the long term and perhaps get harder to the level that they should be for a team in a city the size of Berlin. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you mentioned some of those young players. I mean, the guys who have already sort of been integrated into the first team but have not yet bloomed to a full extent. You know, your Maxi Mittelstädts, Arna Myers, Dennis Jastrzemski's, Jordan Tur- Turunarigas. You know, Ante Tovic has worked with all these guys. They, he knows them. He's seen them when they were, you know, 13, 14-year-olds. And I feel like some of that really granular personal knowledge of of a lot of these players who are turning into really good, decent Bundesliga performers, but not yet standouts. I, I feel like hopefully he knows the precise buttons to press with them. Okay, among these uh, these new coaches who who have sort of been the talk of the Bundesliga, because this is it's really a, a, a huge crop of of new faces. Which of these guys do you sort of think when it gets to be the end of this season we're gonna think back as oh yeah that guy as in he was actually there for some of the season and he got sacked six games in is that weird yeah he got sacked six games in or or his team really made very little impression on on the league i mean just which of these coaches is going to turn out to have been not up to much I think maybe just because of the situation he's in, Stefan Baumgart at Paderborn is going to find it hard to stay long in the memory because I think they could be a a one-and-done kind of team in the Bundesliga. And then when when people look back, they were like, oh, that's who was in charge. I'm not necessarily sure they'll get rid of him or anything. I just think they'll have a difficult season because they they just haven't spent any money and they've got a few players on free transfers and loans, but maybe this squad isn't going to be be strong enough. And I know they're, they're an exciting attacking team at times, but they're a, a brutal defensive team at the same time. So it's it, it could be very difficult for them. Yeah, well, uh, as I was saying to you before we started the recording, I, I really want to see them succeed. I hope that Stefan Baumgart, who you know incidentally is, is a, a Berlin guy, and I remember when they were getting in the throes of the promotion fight, there was some articles put out about um, him and his wife, who is a rabid FC Union Berlin fan, having to sort of agree not to not to really talk about uh, who was going to go up. And, and of course, things all's well that ends well. Both of those teams went up. And uh, maybe maybe Baumgart, if things don't go well for him at Paderborn, he can uh, you know take over at uh, Union in the future. That would certainly make uh, Union a more interesting team to watch because, yeah, uh, offensive football is is what the people like. I guess I guess before we sort of take a break, I think we should just sort of make a couple of predictions about, I don't know, surprise successes. I mean, maybe you have already sort of expressed that uh, you think that Hertha are going to be your sort of uh, surprise success or dark t- dark horse team of the season. Or do you have another one in mind? No, that's exactly who I have in mind. I think maybe they'll they'll come fifth and maybe challenge for fourth for, for a lot of the season. I think they, they have 
a lot of attractive attacking players and that will really kind of excite the fans there and it'll it'll get produce good results and I think some of the new additions they've made this summer are, are going to benefit them greatly and getting Grujic back for a, a second season on loan that's kind of it's as good as a, a new signing really yep yeah it is a dream come true I, I'm 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 still digesting my good feelings over the fact that he's back. I guess my surprise team or sort of a team who's going to overachieve this season is going to be Bremen. I think Bremen have lost very little except for Max Kruse, which I don't want to underestimate that fact. He's He's been one of the Bundesliga's most uh, potent attacking forces over the last couple of years. But I think over the course of the last season, they were already beginning to learn to you know, produce a lot of good chances without him, you know, with or without him. And I feel like the fact that they have as many good uh, attacking weapons as they do, especially young ones who are probably going to get better as the season goes on. And they, I think rather smartly, because, you know, everybody made fun of them for buying uh, Dortmund cast off Nuri Shahin last year. But I think that they've actually made a very smart move in, in buying Umar Toprak, who looked for all you know, intents and purposes, to be a much, much improved player in terms of fitness and quickness in, in the preseason for Dortmund. I think he's going to really help them become a little less leaky at the back, which, of course, for a team set up like them is always going to be an Achilles heel. Uh, you got any players who you think are going to have breakout seasons, either guys who, who are new to the league or players who sort of are going to take a very big step forward this season? I think maybe tying into your point there that further could be a, a team to watch and they could overperform. I think maybe Josh Sargent could be ready for the step up because, as you said, Max Cruz has gone, so there's space there. And there's, I know Nicholas Fulkirk has come in, but I think maybe Josh Sargent, he showed in glimpses the talent that he has and he's still a very young player. And with Pulisic gone, I, th- I think the Bundesliga needs a, a, an American attacking talent. You know, Weston McKelly is a is a great player, but he's not really going to be scoring goals every weekend. So, uh, Josh Sar- Sargent is the, the man to fill Pulisic's boots, really, and I think he has the ability to do so. Nice. Nice. I, I, I appreciate that. You're you're really giving me a lot of service here, you know, with, between uh, Hertha and uh, the U.S. men's national team. You're just, you're, you're ticking these boxes so that I don't have to. Yeah, um, flattery. It gets you everywhere. <laughs> well, it, it'll get you back on the podcast and probably another favorite guest, Butter Up, at, at the top of the show. How do you like that? I couldn't ask for more, to be honest. I guess, I guess because, you know, you picked a player from my surprise team. I'll pick a player from, from your surprise team. And, and a team that re- absolutely means nothing to me. And I'm going to actually pick Arne Meyer uh, at Hertha, who, of course, has some injury problems right now. He's not going to be able to start the season sort of from, from week one, hitting the ground running. But of that crop of young players at Hertha, um, he was the one who got the most games last season. He was the one that had the most impact. He had a lot of trouble uh, getting on the score sheet and definitely seems like he has... Uh, Taking that to heart, and I think he will be a a big performer for them in the season to come. Let's take a little break, and we will get to talking about some of the things that might not be looking so good in the Bundesliga season. All right, here's part two of Talking Foosball. We've looked good and hard at some of the performers we think will well perform this season. Why don't we dial things back and talk about what might not work so well in 2019-20? Let's face it, 
even the big teams can, uh, you know, bring up a lot of compelling arguments as to why they might screw things up. You know, we, we've sort of touched on some of these already, but, you know, here's, here's some good arguments about why some teams are going to mess things up. You know, Niko Kovac has trouble commanding a dressing room with big names. Lucien Favre hasn't won a trophy since he left Switzerland in 2007. Uh, Peter Bosch's teams are always on the edge of self-destruction in defense. RB Leipzig, they're more interested in marketing and selling players at a profit than actually winning things. Gladbach's new coach uh, has a style of play which is nearly a 180-degree turn from his predecessor, Wolfsburg, uh, see previous, unless you think this only applies to teams at the top. Schalke, so upset at looking like a relegation candidate last season, they went out and hired a guy whose claim to fame was keeping Huddersfield from getting relegated. Augsburg responded to escaping the drop by a slim four points by essentially buying no proven Bundesliga performers while losing plenty of quality. And on the other side of that equation, Union Berlin were so concerned about adding Bundesliga-level quality to their roster that they bought up all the best performers from the 2013 Bundesliga that they could. Ronan, of course, lots and lots and lots of reasons for unease, for worry, maybe even panic. Which team are you most concerned about? Um, I think just to tie it into to your question there, Nico Kovac, the, the big negative point you said was that he can't command big names. But luckily, they've signed no big names, so that won't be a problem for them this season. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> but to answer the question, I think Augsburg are probably the, the standout one for me because they barely stayed in the in the league last season with the, after the point with Martin Schmidt and they just kind of trickled over the line and they they haven't really brought in a lot they uh, have lost a lot of players they brought they have bought in volume not necessarily in uh, known quality yeah 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 they haven't brought in a lot of maybe first team players or players that are of the, the required caliber to to keep them up and uh, Philip Max is regularly linked with a move away and I think it's only a matter of time before his head is turned and he's, and he's gone and without him maybe providing the assists he, he had a, a weaker season last season but he was still important to them without someone like him I think they're going to really struggle to, to create chances and create goals and they could find themselves in a relegation battle from the start of the season yeah I feel you I, this reminds me very strongly actually of uh, the sort of panic buying that went on last season at uh, Hanover. You know, Hanover barely beat the drop the year before. They bought a ton of players, none of whom really necessarily had had done the business at, you know, the Erste Bundesliga level. And sometimes you can you can really do well with that if, you, if your scouting is on the money and you're sort of finding, you know, if you buy 10 or 12 players and, and only three or four of them work out, that's fine. But if almost none of them work out, then you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. And I think they might be finding themselves in a lot of trouble very, very quickly. Hoffenheim, we've kind of touched on already about, um, you know, who, who are we most concerned about? Are you concerned about Eintracht at all? Because, you know... Obviously, two-thirds of their, their giant attacking triumvirate is already gone, and they have not been able to sort of convincingly replace that. But in, maybe I'm reading this all wrong, and, you know, 
Paciencia, et cetera, is, is going to be able to pick up that slack better than I think. Yeah, I think I had the same sort of opinion last so last summer before the start of the season after seeing them demolished in the Super Cup. I, yeah, I, I thought maybe Eintracht were relegation candidates or would come 14th or something, and then they don't, and then they ended up having a great season. So I'm I'm kind of reluctant to say that they're going to have a bad season despite losing maybe their two best players, the, the Haller and Jovic. I think the losing Haller was a bigger loss than, than losing Jovic because he really made them take... You could find someone maybe to to get goals for you, but you can't find someone to magic goals out of nothing and create goals for his teammates in the way Haller did. So I think that's going to be a, a struggle to replace him. But I suppose in Freddie Bobic, we trust because he seems to to find these gems every every year and for cheap money and players that are undervalued at their clubs or underused at their clubs and then turn them into something and then sell them on for big money and he's he's making a lot, a lot he's making good money for Eintracht Frankfurt at it so perhaps that's that's something he's done again this season with players like Jovic the the, the new Luka Jovic with a similar name with someone like him perhaps he'll end up being a sensation and so coming from young boys in Switzerland he could be a similar thing but and signing him to Reger was obviously a a big coup for him because he was so important to him in the back half of last season yeah you got to keep the Hinty army pleased you know if you, if you get on the wrong side of the Hinty army it's you know you, you lose everything <laughs> yeah definitely perhaps the It'll be the, the Hinty Army alone will be an, enough, give them enough firepower, give them enough ammunition to, to, to stay in the Bundesliga or maybe finish in the top half again and, and perhaps have a run at, at getting into Europe. I feel you. I feel you. How confident do you feel about some of these other teams of, of more modest means? You know, in any given season, a, a club like Mainz or a club like Freiburg, their number one you know, concern is to not get relegated. Do you see either of those teams as, as you know, flirting a little bit more dangerously with relegation this season? Or are there sort of, you know, both of them are known, Freiburg more for their coaching and player development and Mainz for their sort of creative scouting and signing strategy are just sort of known by people as, as teams, clubs that are a little bit smarter than a lot of the other clubs in the Bundesliga. Is that enough to get them by this season? Yeah, I'd say it is. I think maybe they have enough strength already even before they made any signings this summer. I think maybe they had a decent enough sides to, to be mid-table or top of the the bottom half of the table teams I, I don't see the either of them being really dragged into the relegation battle I, I think they'll have enough about them they have good coaches they have the, the right approach they they don't go and spend a fortune on players just for the sake of it like you've said only in Berlin or after doing they, they don't just buy talent they actually do their scouting properly they, they're, they're well run clubs and I think because of that they're they're just Bundesliga mainstays. They mightn't pull up trees in the in the league, but they're they're just going to be there every season without question. Yeah. You know, speaking of Union Berlin, I guess this is maybe not necessarily something that is playing against expectation, but perhaps you know leaning into them. I am very concerned about them in that I I, I really don't think they're going to stay in the league more than just one year, but at the same time, I'm not that concerned about them because it doesn't even seem in some ways like they care. Like, I do not see this as a club who is planning for a long stay in the Bundesliga. I mean, they've, they've bought a lot of these old, 
cast-off players like Christian Gentner and uh, Nevin Subotic, etc., etc. And a lot of the sort of, I don't know, public moves that they've made since getting up to the first division have been very strange. I mean, obviously, as a Hertha fan, I was I was pretty genaffed, to use a German word, annoyed by the way that they handled Hertha's suggestion that they play on the German reunification day, which, you know, Union replied that, uh, you know, that's a day that's too important for football, which was very quickly sussed out to be totally disingenuous in that they've played on, on, on German Reunification Day many, many times. It seems like Union is a club that is so concerned with its sort of oppositional stance. And this is something that goes back years and years and years, because in, in the time of, of, you know, two Germanys, in, in, you know, the German Democratic Republic, Union defined itself as being not Dynamo Berlin, i.e. not the Stasi secret police club, but the club of, you know, the, the metal workers or whatever, as being a sort of, you know, politically dissident club. And that sort of ethic of being an oppositional club is like so baked into the, the club itself that sometimes I think they just forget not to shoot themselves in the foot, whether it's with this, you know, German Reunification Day, public relations gaffe, or the idea that their, their ultras are going to they're going to be silent for the first 15 minutes of their first home game in the Bundesliga because it happens to be against RB Leipzig, but who, you know, are not sufficiently traditional or anti-commercial enough for their tastes. I mean, I understand that, that you know, it is a club that likes to sort of put its principles front and center, and, and I can respect that. But sometimes, sometimes you got to pick your battles, <laughs> And I don't think that that being silent for the first 15 minutes of your first home game in the league is a smart one because you might find yourself down 3-0 after th- the first 15 minutes. Yeah, definitely. I like the way they're so opposed to everything, that they're opposed to staying up. Yeah, yeah. That they haven't, they, they haven't, they haven't really done enough maybe to, to keep themselves up. And the signings, like you said earlier, it's, it's like they... Uh, they loaded up football manager and they said filter out unrealistic targets and then they sorted by caps or <laughs> something like that. They, they just went for for a bunch of old guys and uh, here you'll do. You have you have a bit of Bundesliga experience. You try injured. What's the worst that can happen? But the worst that can happen is you get relegated and you lose your first six games and then everything will have gone wrong for them. And it, it, it's disappointing, really. And hey, when, when, I was, when I was managing Jan Regensburg on uh, Football Manager, I once signed a 43-year-old Marcelo Salas, and he scored, uh, you know, seven or eight goals for me. Well, Pizarro can, will, will still be, do the job this season, so maybe they should have looked at getting him in for his swan song. He, he might have been the, the uh, veteran they needed to to get the goals to keep them in the league. But going back to your, to your point, I think it's disappointing they didn't go for the idea of the, the rivalry match on unification reunification day because it would have been it would have been ideal. It would have been huge for the Bundesliga worldwide. It would have been the, the perfect marketing event for both teams. And in a league that kind of maybe struggles against La Liga and Premier League to get attention outside of its own country, I, I think it would have been... It's a huge missed opportunity, and it's it's kind of disappointing that that Union decided we're not going to to go with this because that's the dumb thing, I suppose, at the club, and the tradition is too important to them. It seems. Yeah, I, I found it. It was a, it was a real it was a real small club move that they decided it was more important for them to score some points and get one over locally on the crosstown rival than it was to actually get 
a big picture plus both for them as a club and and the Bundesliga as a league. It, it just seemed real dumb, and and it definitely. <laughs> while I still have mostly warm feelings about uh, Union, they are uh, significantly less warm than they used to be. Who do you think is the first coach to lose his job this season? And and you know now we can look a little bit more broadly past all those you know new coaches in the league to to everybody people who have been in their job for uh, you know much longer. I think it might be Schreider at Hoffenheim. I think maybe he's just he's just inherited such a bad situation there that someone is going to get the blame and the board are hardly going to blame themselves. And I think, unfortunately, he is just there's just going to be too much expected of him and it's an impossible situation. And I don't think even Jurgen Klopp could have made a sale for Salzir, really. Yeah, yeah, I think that's as you have said earlier in the podcast. This is a poisoned chalice, and uh, unless things go very, very well for him, I think expectations will close in on him. I kind of think that um, you know we were talking about the sort of stability and and smarts of clubs like Freiburg and Mainz, and no, I am not going to suggest that uh, Christian Streich is going to lose his job this season because he isn't. He is, you know, <laughs> he will. You'll have to pry that job from his cold, dead hands, and no one, no one is is at all interested in that. But I think that Sandro Svartz at Mainz could be vulnerable because I think this is, you know, this is a club that that often finds itself, you know, going through patches in the season and spending a good deal of time near the relegation zone, and then going on a tear and getting on the edge of Europe, and then ending up back in the other place. If this turns out to be a season where they, they, they don't go on that tear, which they sometimes do, I, I could very easily see him losing his job just for just for the sake of, of a club who feels like they are, are you know actively looking for new solutions, which I think mites generally are. They, they might find a need to pull that trigger. Yeah, it could happen. I don't see him get relegated, but perhaps he he won't be the man to keep them up at the end of the season because like you said they do have ebbs and flows in their performances and they, it, they could find it difficult maybe at the start of the year with their their, their biggest kind of midfield name after leaving for Everton for, for 20-25 million I, I'm, I'm not sure whether the West Ham replacement that's come in Fernandez is kind of going to slot in immediately and mm-hmm. really put in the kind of performances that you need the, the tough tackling performances that you need to pick up points difficult points against some of the better teams in the Bundesliga. Alright, let us round out the show with our big predictions for the season. We've already let the cat out of the bag about who we think is going to win the league you think that it's going to be Bayern followed by Dortmund. I believe it will be the other way around. You are picking Leipzig as third, I I take it? I am, yeah. yeah. I think Leipzig will will come target. Okay, I'm right with you there. Who's your fourth place choice, by the way? I think Bosball is going to to make it the same top four for the second year in a row. I think it's just, he just has a a way of playing that's got to entertain the, the, the neutrals but also do enough to get good results because I think Leverkusen have even though they, they maybe lost Julian Brandt I, I don't think they're, they're that much of a weaker team this season I, I think they have enough about them and they have enough in attack and they they have a second season on their boss so they, I think the belief is there and Mario Gotze he gave an interview in The Athletic to Raphael Honigstein where he said that when he was at Dortmund, 
the players didn't have the belief there, but I think the players at Leverkusen do have the belief in the, the in, in the head coach and they're all kind of pulling together and I think that will be enough maybe to see them finish in the Champions League spot. All right. All right. I, I, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Not enough to actually uh, go with it. I think that the Borussia Mönchengladbach is going to make their breakthrough this season. I mean, they were so close to sealing the deal last year under, you know, a coach who was trying his best to, to prove himself to people as, as being a bit more tactically flexible and a bit more forward-thinking than, than we had all given him credit for, but he just wasn't quite enough. And to be honest, Marco Rosa is all those things. He is somebody who has gotten absolutely the most that he possibly could have out of a team that is associated with the same energy drink company that we uh, didn't mention before, but plays in the Austrian league. And now he's on such a you know, a much, much bigger stage here in the Bundesliga. And he's he's got a lot of horses, har-har, at the foals. And I, I think that um, there is enough for fourth place for, for Gladbach. What do you think about five, six, and seven? And, it, you know, it's happened so many times in recent years that because of the, you know, the, the Pokal situation, that seventh place was good enough for Europa League football. So I will assume that that may well happen again this year. Who are your teams that are, you know, Europa League bound come next May? I think we might be singing off a similar hymn sheet here where I'll go for Gladbach in fifth, Hertha in sixth, and Werder Bremen in seventh. Oh my God! You didn't. You, <laughs> we we've only got one difference. Yeah, I've I've got uh, I've got Leverkusen in fifth, Hertha in sixth, and Werder in seventh. If you had to swap one of those out, is there a team that is is that you sort of envision as a potential eighth who could get in there if if one of those teams has an, an injury crisis or what have you? I think this might be the time where Isaac Gwarnjarek meets Isaac, and I'm going to say Schalke. Ooh. Just because of the the David Wagner effect, I think I think maybe he is he's capable of getting the best from players he he showed with Huddersfield what he can what he can do with mediocre players and he'll have a few mediocre players a few slightly above mediocre players and a few good players to work with this season so I think I think maybe Schalke could find themselves back where they should be kind of competing this season. I like it. I like it. I, I think the Bundesliga, as I as I say so often, benefits from a Schalke that is either very good or very bad. And maybe maybe we're going back to uh, the former. I think Wolfsburg is the team that I debated with putting into that top seven because I feel like um, Oliver Glasner really achieved something pretty extraordinary in Austria. I mean, it is Austria. We, we all know that this is not a, a, a league that has a lot of quality outside of Salzburg, but to go from basically, you know, the doldrums of of the second division in Austria to, you know, second best team in the country over the course of just a few years is pretty amazing. And from what I understand, the tactics that he likes to play, which is to say either a you know three five two or three four three with a lot of you know quick play down the wings, I think that they actually have some good good people there for that. I mean, I think Jérôme Roussillon as an attacking fullback is is really in the right place if that's how Glasner wants to play. He has a very sort of big, fast and also fairly technically sound striker in uh, Vekhorst. I think he might turn out to be quite an inspired signing, despite being uh, from, from a really small club compared to anything that the Bundesliga has experienced. Okay, let's talk about relegation. Who do you think is going straight down, and who is going to be playing for their life in the relegation game come, come the end of the season? 
Yeah, I think Paderborn and, and Union are the teams that are probably getting relegated automatically. Uh, unfortunately, one year up, one year down, kind of, that's the, the, the life ahead for them, unfortunately. I, I just don't don't think they they have enough to stay up and maybe the, the whole experience will be a bit much for them. And then the team in the in the playoff is going to be Augsburg, I think, because they just they're just a weaker team than they were last season, and they weren't that far off the playoff last year. Sure, sure. I, I'm, I'm once again very, very, very similar to you. I think Paderborn are going to be playing in the playoff game, and I put them there mostly out of a sort of sense of hope because I really appreciate teams who like to go out and attack and try to outscore opponents as opposed to just keeping them off uh, off the score sheet. So I would like to see them avoid direct relegation. Maybe I'll be wrong about that. But I definitely think Union are, are, are deader than dead. They're going to be last in the league. And Augsburg will be second to last. I, I wonder, since neither of us has mentioned Cologne yet in this podcast, and, and apologies to Cologne fans, although in some contexts you don't want your team mentioned. Um, what is it that is is giving you a more confident feeling about that club as as a you know a promoted side that's got a little bit more I don't know a little bit more in the tank? I think maybe they just have better players and they they have that strike force that scored about fifty six goals or something between them something stupid last season in, in the second division. I think they just have they just have the ability to score goals and then they have the players that stayed with them following the relegation Horn and Hector and all. I think they they have good players. They have Bundesliga caliber players throughout the team. They they, they don't seem to be maybe. That that week for a team that that comes up, and I'm looking forward to uh, to their seeing their new signing, the the Tunisian that they've signed from Montpellier, Helias or Elias. Or I'm looking forward to, to him scoring and then saying Helias Shakiri <laughs> after him getting getting a goal from midfield. It's 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 just kind of ideal for someone like me who who works in a, a social media role. It's it's just it just my bread and water. Really. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, one thing that, that always plagues uh, promoted sides is lack of goal scoring. And, and often there's guys who score lots of goals in the second division and then they dry up when they get to the first division. I mean, Cologne has one of those guys. They have Simon uh, Terada who has proved through his career that uh, he has a lot more trouble scoring in the first division than the second. But um, maybe he'll have a breakthrough. I don't know. But even if he doesn't, they still have John Cordoba and uh, Anthony Modest who both have scored a lot of goals, especially in the case of Modeste uh, in the first division. So I feel like that is going to be a nice insurance policy for the Billy Goats. Anyway, before we go, I guess we should talk about quickly the Torschützenkönig, the the you know top goal scorer of the season. I'm going with uh, Paco Alcacer. I think uh, he's going to start a lot of games. I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's going to score a lot of goals. Yeah, I think you, you can predict before I say it who I'm going for. Considering who I picked for to, to win the, the league title and who wins the goal the top goal scorer every year, so I, I, is it Bobby Lewandowski? It, it it is Robert of the family Lewandowski. All right, yeah, it is him. All right, all right. I, I, I he he just is the best striker in in Bundesliga. It's it, that's unquestionable. So if Bayern can get an extra winger in before the end of the, the, the transfer window, someone to, to put the ball into the box. That's all he really needs. And he, he doesn't even have to be pointing towards the goal to put the ball in the net. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's quite flexible that way. He's, he's a very 
very fit gentleman with uh, that 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 personal trainer partner of his. So uh, anybody outside of uh, sort of the usual suspects that you see as player of the year candidate? I mean, this season, this past season, we we saw uh, Marco Royce anyway uh, was named you know kickers player of the season. That's more or less the the award of record for Germany. I mean, th- there were other candidates who, who sort of had a shout for it. Is it going to be Royce's year again? Is it going to be somebody else on his team, some other team? Yeah, I think maybe Jaden Sancho could have a, a chance at winning this year, especially if, if Dortmund do compete for the title. I think he is in the, the kind of situation where he should only approve again because of his age. He should be kind of developing year on year. So it should be a, an even better season for him and an even better season for a player like that would be sensational. So if Dortmund do go and win the title or even push Bayern like they did last season, I think maybe Jadon Sancho could be in the, the running for a player of the season. Yep, yep, I totally agree. And I think that for me, there are really two transcendent youth talents in, in the Bundesliga. That's Jaden Sancho and uh, Kai Havertz. So, you know, I think Kai Havertz had a pretty good candidacy this past season with, with the numbers he put up and some of the goals that he scored and set up. So I think that that uh, Kai Havertz is a very, very uh, strong candidate as long as, uh, you know, Bosch Ball continues to roll and bounce and, you know, pinball all over the shop. Yeah, I think they'll they'll need to make the Champions League though. So they'll need to go against your prediction, I think, for them maybe to win player of the year. Uh, 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 what, what are you trying to poke holes in my argument for? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you never know. He might he might score he might score fifteen goals and get twelve assists himself, and they still might end up fifth. So you know. what, what, what if, uh, according to my next prediction, Leverkusen win the cup? The Pokalsieger uh, prediction. Now mine is mine is Leverkusen. What about, what about if they they go deep in in the Champions League? That could be also enough to maybe push more the line. Yeah, because I like it. I thought maybe of the the teams that were in the Europa League, the German teams that were in the Europa League, they probably had the better chance than going with Frankfurt. I was obviously proved wrong, but that wouldn't be the first time that so a prediction I've made has been proven wrong. So, but yeah, I think they they could have a, have a good season in the cup and in in Europe. And who's going to win the, the the German Cup this year? I think maybe it'll be Leipzig. All right. I'll buy Just it. Just one step, one step further than, than last year, perhaps. All right. That is it for this edition of Talking Foosball, which was produced, as always, by Aidan Rantoul. It's really nice that you have been back with us this week, Ronan. I hope you uh, enjoyed your time here. I definitely did. I'm looking forward to uh, the Bundesliga finally getting started after a a few long weeks and months of uh, wondering what I was going to do with all my Saturdays and Fridays and Sundays. I know, I know. And and finally, we got a proper opponent for uh, Bayern Munich in the uh, Auftaktspiel this uh, this Friday. It's, uh, It's been a long time coming. You can follow Ronan on Twitter at swear I'm not Paul. You can read his work on Ghoul.com and his, uh, you know, incessant tweeting. If you like, you can hit me up at Mr. Matt Herman on Twitter as well. Please do subscribe to the pod on your podcasting platform of choice. Please do leave us a rating, a positive one if you like us. And if you've not done so already, do check out this week's episode of Talking Foosball Fantasy. They are already back. All your official fantasy Bundesliga needs are taken care of in that episode. Even a fantasy dummy like me has managed to put together what seems to be a credible side with lots of advice from JT and Flo. Bis zum nächsten Mal, y'all.